Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Breaking the huddle here with Joel Klatt, presented by Dr. Pepper at every tailgate and home gate. It is the one that fans crave. We appreciate you joining us here on Facebook Live, and I encourage you all to interact because we're going to have a nice little uh, portion of the show here. I'm going to give you my top 10, and the comments that you leave during my reveal of the top 10, we're actually going to interact with, and we're going to pull some of those, and then I'm going to try to fight back at some of the hate that I get. Because remember, if your team is not in my top 10, it's because I have a deep bias against them and I hate you. Not really, but we're going to have some fun with it. Um, okay, so here we go. Let's jump into it. Got to love it. Lots to get to this week. I'm going to start with my number 10 team. It's Ohio State. Uh, Ohio State's still in the top 10. I know that they haven't been great offensively. I understand that. And listen, they're going to have to get better and more improved quarterback play. That's certainly the case. But this is still a great roster. Okay, this roster in particular on the defensive side of the football, they're a great rushing the passer. They've got some explosive uh, players on the offense that w they can get the ball to. And I'm going to come back to two key elements for Ohio State. One is their coaches didn't forget how to coach. Remember now, Urban Meyer has won a lot of national championships and a lot of games. Their two coordinators are very good coaches, Greg Schiano and Kevin Wilson. So Ohio State's still there. They still got a lot of bullets in the chamber as it relates to their schedule. So they're going to be just fine. They're going to sit at number 10. Number nine is Wisconsin. Listen, they've just been solid. Right now, they're the number two scoring offense in the Big Ten. Uh, Hornibrook, their quarterback, he's been pretty good. Their defense has been stout. They've only given up 30 points on the season. Right now, they're just a solid number nine. And if you're looking around college football at a team that is substantially better than the rest of their division, Wisconsin's certainly in that conversation. Alabama's going to be in that conversation, but certainly Wisconsin is going to be in that conversation. At number eight, it's the Washington Huskies. Okay, so here's the deal with Washington. They haven't played anybody. They haven't been tested. They're going to have a rematch this week of their Pac-12 title game against Colorado. That one's going to be on the road. There's two things that concern me about Washington. One is the fact that I didn't feel like Jake Brown had evolved much, in particular in the physical nature of the game. I didn't think he got much stronger from a year ago when I did their week one game against Rutgers. Another thing that concerned me is their offensive line. I think that they've got to get better on the offensive line in order to be uh, a team to be reckoned with later and down the line and in the playoff. Having said that, some very good skill position players. Dante Pettis, shout out. He tied the NCAA punt return. Uh, Mark, and if he takes another one back, he will have set that. Quick note on that, by the way, and it's a cool tie-in. If Dante Pettis returns a punt against Colorado for a touchdown, it will be an NCAA record. When Wes Welker 
tied the NCAA record, set the NCAA record back in 2003 at Texas Tech. His opponent, the Colorado Buffaloes. So a cool tie-in there that we could be seeing this week. Okay, number seven, I'm going to go with the Michigan Wolverines. I'm concerned for Michigan at the quarterback position. Wilton Spate's got to get better. They are one for ten scoring touchdowns in the red zone this year. One for ten. That's not going to get it done. That happens for two main reasons. Because the field is condensed, you have less space. So it's harder to run, becomes much more stressful to run the football. And the windows in the passing game get much tighter. So accuracy is even that much more important. Wilton Spade has not shown the requisite accuracy to be effective in the red zone. That could come back to haunt them. This week is a very tough road test. And yes, it's very tough at Purdue, namely because... Michigan might be chasing points. Purdue's averaging 35 points per game, so we'll see how that defense can play in West Lafayette. But they're at number seven right now. The team I have highest rated in the Big Ten, Penn State. Penn State's going to be the number six team in the country. Penn State has right now the most dynamic offense in the Big Ten Conference. Their quarterback, Trace McSorley, he's a bit of a gunslinger. He can push the ball down the field. We saw that late last year. Saquon Barkley, excellent back. They're actually utilizing him more this year out of the backfield as a wide receiver, which I think brings an entirely different dynamic to their offense. And remember, they still have Mike Gusecki as a tight end. Just for forward thinking, that offense eerily similar to Oklahoma. Kind of a gunslinger at quarterback, pretty good players on the outside, and a great tight end. Now, Oklahoma doesn't quite have the running back Saquon Barkley is, so just saying for that Ohio State matchup down the road. At number five, I'm going to go with Oklahoma State. Now, I toyed around with putting Oklahoma State in the top four because I think that they are ridiculously good. Let's go back to the game against Pitt last week. I understand that you can just look at the stat sheet afterwards and you say, oh my goodness, their offense was amazing. They ran up and down the field against Pitt. But that wasn't necessarily the case. If you actually watched the game, what you saw is that in the first quarter, all of those, I believe, 21 points that were scored came on drives that were a bit labored. Okay, I know that big plays scored the touchdowns, but those big plays generally happened on downs like third and eight third and nine, third and 11, and then bang, they would make a big play, and before you know it, they've scored 49 points at half. Oklahoma State fans, are you kidding me? 49 points at half? You may have the Heisman Trophy winner sitting in your backyard in Mason Rudolph. I wish there was someone that predicted that in the preseason. Wait, I did. Shameless plug. Four, USC. Um, they've got some flaws. Listen, you can't come away from that Texas game, even in a win, and say that they don't have some flaws. They also have Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold was unbelievable on Saturday night. Okay, so there's this adage that you've probably heard in the past that great players or the best players are at their best when their best is needed, right? We've all heard that before. That's stupid. You know why? Because anyone can be at their best, right? I want to say the Sean Connery line from The Rock, but I'm not going to. I was at my best, if you will, at times, and we still lost the game. Guess why we lost the game? Because I'm not a great player. I was not a great player. Sam Darnold was great when greatness was required. Not needed, required. When you're down three at home with no timeouts inside of 40 seconds, 
Your best is not what you need out there. A lot of people can go out there and try their best. Hey, slap them on the butt. Atta boy, you tried your best. Way to go. No, no, no. Doesn't cut it. You know the only thing that gets a field goal is some jump pass craziness, greatness. Sam Darnold, oh my goodness. If there's anyone that can overcome the injuries that they're sustaining and some of the inconsistent play that they've given, it's Sam Darnold. Remember, write it, listen, write it down. Write it down. Great players play great when greatness is required. Anybody can do their best. Losers. Number three. I'm kidding. I love people that do their best. Oklahoma. Oklahoma at number three. Easily could have had them higher. I think they've got the best win in the country so far. That win at Ohio State. I think Baker Mayfield strikes fear in maybe any defense in the country, including even Clemson, even after Clemson shut down Lamar Jackson. I'm really impressed with their defense. Remember, that was a huge uh, sticking point last year, their defense. Just to give you some statistics about their defense, and Oklahoma uh, fans, you know what I'm talking about, right? You've been lamenting your defense for a few years. Last year, you were, I think, 68th in the country, giving up around 28 points per game. Well, that has drastically improved. Namely, the uh, improvement has come because guys like Obo Okoronkwo is a fabulous outside linebacker pass rusher, 13th in the country in scoring defense, giving up just over 12 points per game, and they played at the shoe against the number two team in the country. Pretty impressive right there, and of course, like I mentioned, they've got Mayfield. Number two, I'm going to go with Clemson. There's been a lot of debate about like, oh, Clemson should be number one. Oh, Clemson, Alabama. This is going to be another Clemson, Alabama year. Not so fast. We've got some really good teams behind these two. But Clemson has earned it. A couple of ranked wins. I will say this about Clemson. There was one question going into the season. It was Kelly Bryant. Could he replace Deshaun Watson? He certainly played very well. 300 yards passing against Louisville, including a couple of rushing touchdowns. Their defense, sensational. Love Brent Venables. Love what they do on the defensive front. I believe it's 16 sacks that they've gotten in the last couple of weeks. That's fabulous. That was even against Lamar Jackson, which he can get out of a phone booth like Houdini. And he didn't against Clemson. Dominant performance. However, this is why they're not number one for me. Auburn and Louisville, incredibly overrated. Okay? I want you guys to hear that again. Auburn and Louisville, incredibly overrated. So I don't want to go crazy with Clemson just yet. Two very good wins, but remember, Auburn has been average for 10 years outside of two historically good years. One was a lot of luck, like the miracle on the planes in the kick six that year with Nick Marshall as a quarterback, and the other was a historically great quarterback in Cam Newton, who took them to a national title. So, overrated, Auburn and Louisville. Send the hate to at Joel Clad on Twitter. Alabama is my number one team. <clears throat> I think they're the most balanced team in the country, and their biggest question mark for me going into the season was about their quarterback. Was Jalen Hurts going to be able to improve as a passer? I think we've seen that. We've seen Jalen Hurts kind of mature into this player that even as a quarterback for Alabama, which is generally a position that's kind of asked not to lose the game, he's blossomed into almost a, a Heisman contender. This guy is leading them and rushing at over 300 yards. He's dynamic on the outside, and I think he's throwing the ball really well. Um, so that's my top ten. Alabama, number one. Clemson, number two. OU, three. USC, four. Boy, USC and Oklahoma State, they could flip-flop at any point. Penn State, Michigan, Washington, Wisconsin, and Ohio State. Let's get to the comments. We bring in Kristen. Thank you, Kristen, for bringing in the comments. Although I can't really read it from here. Can someone just shout it to me? can't wait for USC to start losing. It's going to be great from Kyle. Kyle, why are you such a hater? 
Why, I mean, what, why do you want USC to lose? They've been losing for a decade. Well, not on like the grand scale like some other programs, but Kyle, just enjoy it. You know why you should just enjoy it? Because the environment on Saturday night in the LA Coliseum was electric. I think college football is best when their best brands are playing great. And part of that means that USC is playing great. So I don't understand why you're so mad, Kyle. Kyle, are you a UCLA fan? You're mad about Memphis, aren't you? No, seriously. You're a UCLA fan. I get it. Listen, it was a 9 a.m. body clock. You're a Bruin. It's always little brother type of stuff. I understand. I understand. Okay, what do we have next? We have, no way, Joel. Tigers are number one from Dylan. Dylan, I understand your point. Um, Clemson has been very impressive. Um, I appreciate your feedback. I toyed with that notion, but then I came back to what I explained earlier, which was, their two ranked wins aren't even as good as the win that Alabama has already posted against Florida State or what Oklahoma has posted against then number two Ohio State. You should be lucky that you're at number two, Dylan, and that I didn't flip Oklahoma up to number two. That's the way I look at it. Auburn and Louisville, overrated. What has Auburn done in the last decade outside of those last two years? Let me tell you. I'll tell you exactly what they've done. Average about seven and a half wins. You know what seven and a half wins gives you in college football? Average! Average. What do we have next? We have Oklahoma State top five. Haven't faced a good team yet from Josh. Hey, Josh. What's going on? Appreciate you watching. Um, Josh, I don't. I, I can't incur like who you're a fan of based on this, but let's assume that you're a fan of Penn State, just for a second, just for the sake of argument, because you're basically mad that Oklahoma State is in there, so your team is somewhere on this side. Right, Josh? Let's assume your team is Penn State. Well, you had Pitt in your own backyard, and you kind of struggled. All right? Josh, you only beat them by a couple of scores. Wasn't all that pretty. Guess what this team just did to Pitt? At Pitt. They blew the doors off of them. I mean, like, pow! First half, 49 points. So, Josh, Oklahoma State absolutely belongs in the top five, and... You're lucky they're not higher because this team might be in the playoff come second week of December. Just get ready for that, Josh. Oklahoma State, playoff. And they might be uh, celebrating a Heisman Trophy win for Mason Rudolph. Next interaction, what do we have here? These are Wisconsin, fabulous, by the way. Wisconsin has to score 50 a game to get top five from Paul. Paul, you're a Wisconsin fan. I love you. I love you for it. I was just up in Wisconsin most of the summer. I went up to Sand Valley and played some golf. Great people in Wisconsin. Um, was there at Aaron Hills for the U.S. Open. <clears throat> so, bottom line for me on Wisconsin is they haven't played at the top level like some of the other programs have. So, like, they've, they've been really good, right? They've been really good. <clears throat> but they're kind of like the Stanford of the Big Ten. And bear with me on this analogy. Everyone would love to be the Stanford of the Big Ten. I'm not talking about academics. I'm just talking about, like, sustained success, you know, going to Rose Bowls, winning Big Ten championships or winning Pac-12 championships. But you don't have, like, the, the playoff berth or a national championship game berth. So just be okay with number nine. You know why? Because you're going to have Michigan in your house. 
By the way, Gus and I will probably be there for that, so that'll be sweet. Can't wait to, to witness jump around. You're going to have potentially a top 10 matchup in the Big Ten championship game, so let it play out, Badgers. Badgers. Okay? Let it play out. You might get into the playoff just based on your schedule. You don't have to be up there right now. Just let it play out. And I mean, listen, of all the... All these teams, who are you replacing? What do you want me to do? You probably want me to replace Michigan. I'm not going to do that. Last okay. one. Last one. How is USC still top five? Texas is terrible from Trevor. I didn't think Texas was terrible Saturday, Trevor. I don't think most of America thought Texas was terrible on Saturday. Um, USC might have some flaws, but Texas is not terrible. That's a very talented team, by the way, and they actually played – better than they have in maybe three years. I think that was the best Texas game that I've witnessed, certainly witnessed, but since 2015 when they beat Oklahoma in the Red River rivalry. That was an Oklahoma team, by the way, that would wind up in the playoff, if you remember. Um, So, no, I I just disagree with this statement wholeheartedly. Uh, USC is really talented. They've got great backs. They're good on the offensive line, even though Texas kind of stopped their run game. And I think that's an overreaction to say Texas is terrible. Listen, for too long, Texas has chased the ghost of past success. I understand that. But I feel like Saturday night was a movement forward. Texas fans, you know what I'm talking about, okay? You know that you are chasing down, like, the ghost of Vince Young for the last decade, right, Texas fans? You've been like, oh, we want Colt again, or we want Vince again, or oh, why can't we be like that, be like that? No, no, no. You know what you needed to do? Establish an identity for future success. That's what Tom Herman brings. He's going in there and he's like blowing up the administration. He's telling them like, this is not the way that I do things, so my way or the highway. That's exactly what Texas needed because they had grown stagnant. And moving forward, I think they can develop a very good identity. It won't shock me at all if Texas uses this to springboard towards an eight-win season. I know they're 1-2 and two right now. They lost to Maryland. But if you looked at the six quarters right after the Maryland game, uh, the four, well, eight quarters, really, the four quarters against San Jose State, shutout. The four quarters against USC before overtime, brilliant defense. They're on to something in Austin, and they've got a couple of quarterbacks that I think are pretty good. All right, so we know how I feel now about Sam Darnold and that play and the top ten. But there's a few other things in college football that I wanted to get to and uh, I feel like you deserve to hear about. So I'm going to hit on three things um, that I want to dive into a little bit deeper. One is the power structure of the conferences and how that's going to play out in terms of and how it relates to not only the top five right now, but also the playoff and what the playoff is going to look like and and where there is some stress right now and maybe a conference that you wouldn't expect it. Uh, I want to get into Lamar Jackson, his Heisman chances for a repeat, who I think are the leaders in that category. And then I also wanted to backtrack a little bit. I, I talked a little bit about Texas, but I want to come back to the University of Texas and what I saw on Saturday night in that loss to USC. But first, let's start with the conferences and let's get started with the fact that There are two conferences right now that clearly, I think clearly, have established themselves as deep and deep enough to get themselves into the playoff even with a champion that has a loss. Okay, Those two conferences are the Big Ten and the Big 12. Not only have they been very good and very strong in the non-conference, but they also have enough strength now of teams ranked in the top 10 or in the top 15 or in the top 20 that... 
I use this term a lot, the bullets are still left in the chamber. Okay, the resume builders are still there. Okay, you're not sitting there waiting uh, on just one game to build your resume like maybe you're going to be in some other conferences. So if you're a Big 12 fan or if you're a Big 10 fan, rest assured that your champion is likely to get into the playoff whether they have one loss or not. Now, two losses is a different story, but a one-loss champion for one of those conferences is surely going to go. The reason I left the ACC out of that is because right now Clemson is so far and away superior to everybody else. And I know they haven't played Florida State, but with DeAndre Francois's injury, it just seems and feels like Clemson's going to be the ACC champion and Clemson's going to be in the playoff again. I think Clemson could even go with one loss, but certainly I think that Clemson's going to have a chance to go undefeated. So they're right in that category below the Big 12 and the Big 10. The two conferences that are going to have some level of stress getting their champion in if they have a loss, and I'm talking about one loss, and I know this comes as some surprise, maybe not for me because people think I'm an SEC hater, but the Pac-12 and the SEC, that champion might have to be undefeated to get themselves included into the playoff. Let me tell you why. They haven't been great in the non-conference, either either conference. The SEC certainly hasn't been. I mean, you just can't lose to Purdue the way that Missouri lost to Purdue and, and think that you're a good conference, okay? I know that they got that big win against Kansas State. Vanderbilt didn't. We'll see how Vanderbilt does against Alabama. But it feels like a year in which Alabama is going to have to be undefeated to go to the playoff. And I know that's crazy to say about Alabama, but where are their resume builders? Outside of Florida State, that's the team I was talking about. They've got one great resume builder. They beat Florida State with Francois. Where are the rest of their resume builders? No, I'm, I'm seriously, I'm waiting for all of you. There aren't any resume builders for Alabama other than the fact that they are Alabama. And that might get them in with one loss, but if they lose, it's not going to look good. You can't lose to an LSU team that got beat on the road at Mississippi State 37-7. to You can't lose to Mississippi State. Sorry, you just can't. It's still Mississippi State. You can't lose to Texas A&M, a school that was struggling with Louisiana Lafayette and Nichols and lost a 34-point lead in the Rose Bowl to Josh Rosen. There is not a great resume builder left for Alabama. They may have to be undefeated in the Pac-12. Washington's schedule is not going to match up with some of those from the Big 12 and the Big 10. USC's schedule might not even do it. And if USC has a loss, which it's looking like they might because of all the injuries that they're starting to suffer, you can't make the argument that they wouldn't be in some level of peril. Listen, Washington barely got in a year ago. Why? Because their schedule wasn't that great. They better... They were, they were so lucky that Colorado rose up out of nowhere and was a 10-win team in the top 10 when they faced them in the Pac-12 championship game. They were lucky that USC was able to go on that run after 1-3. and three. So, let me come back to this. SEC, Pac-12, your champion better be undefeated at one loss. You never know. Last thought on the conferences. Everyone's already talking about Alabama and Clemson on some sort of collision course towards a third straight national championship game appearance between the two. Are you kidding me? Now, they might, but they're going to have to earn it. Oklahoma is damn good. They're 13th in the country in scoring defense, giving up over only 12 points per game, just over 12 points per game, and they've got a quarterback that strikes fear into every defense that he could possibly face. Baker Mayfield gives Oklahoma a chance to beat anybody, and I mean anybody, even you Clemson, even you Alabama. By the way, none of those teams want to face Mason Rudolph in Oklahoma State right now. They just don't. They just don't. Not with those wide receivers out there. Penn State, dynamic offense, best running back in the country. You tell me you want to face them? I don't want to face them. 
You want to face Michigan? Michigan's literally going to be like, hey, we're going to invite you into this like, you know, closet of a bedroom and then just fist fight you for 60 minutes. No one wants to do that. I know Michigan's not a great quarterback team. Wilton Spate's got to improve. But that's a difficult out. I'm just saying, Alabama, Alabama and Clemson are not on this collision course that you think. They're great teams right now, but there are other great teams out there. Let's move on to the Heisman Trophy. Some talk out there, they're like, hey, Lamar didn't perform that badly. Maybe he's still in the race. And you're right. He didn't perform that badly against Clemson. However, with the precedent having been set that it's nearly, if not completely, impossible to repeat as a Heisman Trophy winner, again, only one, Archie Griffin, back in the 70s, don't you think that the performance of that player is going to have to be so amazing and their team is going to have to be on the cusp of winning a national championship in order for everyone to be like, this is the guy that's going to break this long streak. What, are we just going to give it to a, a guy from a 9-3 and three team that got beat at home? No. No. So while Lamar is brilliant, and I was wrong for not including him in the top five quarterbacks to start the year, I think Lamar's Heisman Trophy candidacy is, if not over, hanging in the balance. Because, again, the guy who's the first to win a second since Archie Griffin is not coming from a 9-3 and football team or a football team that is average. And that's what Louisville is right now, is average. Look at their last three ball games a year ago, and look at their first three ball games of this year. Okay, They're 2-4 and four in those six games, and the two wins, they had to have brilliant play out of Lamar Jackson against Purdue and North Carolina. So he's a brilliant football player, but the Heisman candidacy, I, pump your brakes on that. The two leaders right now both come from the state of Oklahoma. Mason Rudolph, Baker Mayfield. If you live in the state of Oklahoma right now, and I know Texas fans, you're like cringing a little bit. Those are your two front runners for the Heisman Trophy. In fact, I'll go out on a limb and say there's a better than 50% chance the Heisman Trophy goes to either Baker Mayfield or Mason Rudolph right now, week four of the season. That's how good they're playing. That's how their schedule sets up. They've got stages down the stretch. Rudolph has one this week against TCU. They've got Bedlam left. And remember, they've got the Big 12 championship game. The quarterback that wins the Big 12 is going to have the best chance to win the Heisman Trophy of anybody in the country. Okay, Even then Jalen Hurts, who's kind of putting himself in that, that mix. Last thing, and then uh, we'll get out of here and we'll move on to a little clapback. Texas. Um, I was so impressed with you, Texas. And... I want to talk almost directly to the players right now of Texas because you found something and unlocked something within your team on Saturday night that is the magic pixie dust that your coach was talking about after the Maryland loss. He said that you couldn't just spread magic pixie dust out here and all of a sudden you would win, but he wasn't entirely being truthful. You know why? Because within you and your locker room is a team that is talented enough to hold down one of the best offenses in the country on the road. Within you is a team that even with a true freshman quarterback and largely no running game, willed itself down the field late in the game on the road to go up by three points against USC. That's within you. All right, Longhorns? What I'm trying to say is, if you play with the effort that you gave on Saturday night, 
you will be in every game in this season. There is no team that blows you out if you play with the effort you gave on Saturday night. You see, that's the magic pixie dust for you, Texas, because you're never going to lose warm-ups. You didn't lose warm-ups on Saturday against USC, who's one of the most skilled teams in the country. I, I was standing with USC coaches and some staff members when you came out of the tunnel. You know what they said? My goodness, look at them. You're a hell of a team. You just got to give effort because that's not been consistent over the last three years. The magic pixie dust for you, Longhorn football players, is effort. And guess what? And this is a secret that you might not have heard, but you should keep in your hearts forever, including the rest of your time at Texas. You know what effort is? It's controlled. You know who it controls it? You do. 100%. It's the only thing that you have 100% control over is your own effort. And I just told you, and it's 100% true, if you give the effort you gave on Saturday night, you will be in every single game that you play this year. I don't care if it's Oklahoma and Red River. I don't care if it's Oklahoma State. I don't care if it's TCU. I don't care. You are talented enough to be in those games as long as you give the necessary effort. So there you go, Longhorns. That's going to do it. Time for a little clap back. Uh, let's get after it. I'm like, I just sense some of the reaction that I'm going to get. So let's get right to it. I know I'm going to get some USC hate because everyone loves to hate on USC. And what do you know? The first tweet that we're going to do is from Jeremy Rooks. Jeremy says, USC barely beat a terrible Texas team at home. How are they for? Because I put them there, Jeremy. Like, I can't stand that question more than anything. How are they? Because I did it. Because that's my opinion. What do you mean, how are they for? They're for because they've got one of the best players in the country as their quarterback, Jeremy. Is any other team out there that has a quarterback that can put their team on a back like it's a freaking tent and he's going to go camping with his team on his back? Darnold literally won the game for them. There's only two quarterbacks in the country that I would say can put their team on their back or has put their team on the back and gone out and won a game. Josh Rosen did it against Texas A&M, and Sam Darnold just did it against Texas. Texas is, by the way, pretty good. Did you see some of those athletes that they had out there? I know they're one and two, but geez, you watch at the end of the year, I think Texas is going to be better than you think, Jeremy. Jeremy's sending me hate about how are they for because I put them there because they're not five. What do you mean, how? How? It's a dumb question. Okay, let's go on. John. John says, no way, Joel, in response to my tweet that college football is better than the NFL. He says, NFL greater than CFB. In the NFL, the best teams make the playoffs. In college, it's all political. Deserving teams are left out of the playoffs. It sounds like your feelings are hurt, John, and you want the best teams to go to the playoffs. You know what sucks about the NFL is when 11-5 New England gets left at home for some 8-8 eight eight garbage team because they won their dumb division. How's that? Was that fair? Was that the most deserving team? No, it wasn't. So guess what? Your argument just failed. And guess what about your argument that the NFL is better than college football? Fail. Did you see the LA attendance this weekend? Guess what? Saturday night, USC, Texas, 85,000 people in attendance in the LA Coliseum. Two NFL games on Sunday in LA. One at the Coliseum, the other at whatever it is, StubHub Center, which is a soccer stadium, but whatever. Guess what the combined attendance was? Combined, 82,000. 
82,000. So combined, two NFL games could not do what USC did in L.A. That's embarrassing. The Chargers barely outdrew the average attendance for the L.A. Galaxy. Boom. You just got galaxied, John, on a football podcast. And last but not least, Matt Finnegan at KU92USC2003, which leads me to believe it took you 11 years to get your graduate degree. It took forever, Matt. Matt says, I know I'm partisan and I usually like Clatt and Gus, but feels like they view, long, uh, they view the Longhorns as the greatest team ever to take the gridiron. Next tweet. Artie Schweitzer says, rare to hear a color analyst be so one-sided during a game. Clad is straight up rooting for hashtag USC. Artie, Matt, I don't know what to do with that. What do you want me to do? Like, literally in the same minute, you sent me that. I, do, does every, should I just say everything sucks? Everything's, everything sucks. From now on, it's just like, touchdown. Yeah, but it was terrible. Uh, interception. Ah, brutal. I don't, I don't understand how to... What do, you want, what do you want me to do with that? I don't quite understand. I'm torn right now. It's like the Louis C.K. line. Everything is amazing. Nobody's happy. Did you watch the game? It was amazing. Just be happy that it was amazing. Guess what, Texas fan? You should be happy that you were even in the game. Guess what, USC fan? You won the game. Everything's amazing. No one's happy. Get it together, Matt Nardi. Matt, I know you're a little slow. It took you forever for that graduate degree, like I said, but come on. Let's go. Get on the same page.